Hello and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast, discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, airlines set to return to profit next year, but only just. United signs off the year with massive Boeing order, while more A380s are set to return. And we look at UK Airlines' love-hate relationship with Heathrow Airport. My name's Graham Dunn, and joining me is airline business editor, Lewis Harper. Hi, Graham. How are you? Yes, good. Enjoying the suitably cold end of the year, <laughs> cold end of the year here in the UK. And um, slightly weirdly, it's maybe not quite such a, a cold feel for airlines, I guess. No, we're continuing to see this uh, this narrative that there's a recognition that there are the challenges uh, happening now and on the horizon but um yeah i was at the iata global media day uh, recently in, in geneva their first in-person gathering like that for three years and, and they outlined quite a you know a positive outlook for 2023 the, the top line is that they're they expect the industry as a whole to be profitable so the global airline industry granted that is uh, largely driven by profits in from the uh, North Americas. But, uh, but they're also expecting the European region and the Middle East to, to tip into profitability next year and then for the other regions to follow after that. So, yeah, like a, a broadly positive picture, I think, you know, the key factors are is the, you know, Willie Walsh continues to insist that the, the headwinds are kind of business as usual factors, while also acknowledging, obviously, that there are an awful lot of them at the moment. But yeah, at the same time, it does acknowledge there are probably the downside risks to their forecast outweigh the the upside risks. So, so, but yeah, but broadly, um, you know, compared with where we were even eighteen months ago, twelve months ago, there's still quite a, a positive outlook. And I guess the story is the financial position and the prospects aren't drastically different from what Iata was saying in the summer. And in fact, probably the key message is that actually, despite the headwinds and the headwinds appearing to get stronger, and they certainly appear stronger if you're based in a country like the UK, for example, where the economic picture has has soured quite a lot over recent months. But whilst the headwinds are there, Iata and, and Willie Walsh in particular has had a lot of clarity, consistency about if things carried on as they were, that the industry should broadly be, become profitable. And that's not a great deal has moved in their thinking. No, it hasn't. You're, you're right. Yeah, we were in, in Doha yeah, mid-year for the IATA AGM. And as you say, I guess you take a level of reassurance from the fact that, that the narrative from IATA hasn't changed greatly since then. They continue to insist that um, looking at kind of global economic conditions, are, you know, for one, yeah, they, they don't expect a global recession. There's a lot of talk of that. But and obviously, as you say, talking from the UK, we are not, not performing greatly in that regard and are expected to have quite a prolonged recession here. But but in other regions, you know, Asia Pacific, which is absolutely obviously the largest airline market globally in normal times, there while there is a slowing of GDP, I think, you know, most countries are expected to to avoid that recession and certainly any kind of prolonged recession. So yeah, overall they're they're, they're keen to point out that while as you say, in some regions, you the outlook is a bit bleaker. That the the picture isn't actually that bad, and they're also keen to point out that unemployment is is low. So despite you know that bleak economic picture, they they're, they're saying that the unemployment low unemployment will offset the impact to a certain extent of factors like um, rising inflation um, and and other challenges in in the economy. So I think that said, there are you know areas where 
still concerns. I mean, fuel prices are an interesting one. We know that that oil has, has dropped slightly and fuel prices overall have gone down, but there continues to be a high crack spread. So the, the difference in the price between um, crude oil and jet fuel is particularly large at the moment. And that, I think, comes down to refining capacity being restricted since the airline industry has kind of roared back as COVID restrictions drop. And Arta expects that to, to continue into um, 2023. So, so on that side of things, there are factors that will, will weigh on the recovery to extend. But the overall feeling is, you know, I think they describe the economy as, as lukewarm overall, which from, from what we hear in the UK doesn't doesn't quite compute. But certainly on the global level, that that seems to be the thinking. And it's definitely consistent with the message you're getting from airline CEOs in the market, which continues to have been unchanged. This is largely what uh, airline CEOs have been saying for, for 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 several weeks now, which is that yes, they're aware of the headwinds. Yes, they're aware of inflation and energy costs, and expect that you know under normal circumstances to have an impact. But none of this is yet being seen in bookings. And so, Virgin uh, Atlantic's chief executive Shai Weiss last week was saying they go into the next year sort of cautiously and aware of all of this. Yet none of that is being seen as yet. And we keep seeing airline CEOs saying, giving the same message, really, that in forward bookings, you're not seeing that. Even in the last couple of days, we've had Lufthansa kind of underlining that with a, with an improved forecast for the year. As you say, if anything, that, that kind of messaging is, um, you know, on the optimism for next year has, has got a bit stronger. And certainly, as you say, in the case of Lufthansa, of course, Carsten Spohr, we talked about, has been a big advocate of this idea that constrained capacity is going to possibly be a, a theme in the airline industry for several years. And that supports the high yields we're seeing at the moment. So high fares, you know, and amid those strong bookings, that's a really positive trend for a lot of airlines. There are obviously caveats here that, you know, we look below the, the the kind of strong performers and you know as ever for the airline industry there are there are carriers that still have a lot of work to do you know particularly to repair their balance sheets coming out of the covid crisis so it's certainly not going to be easy and we know well that you know latin america for example um, was not a profitable region in 2019 so when we're, we're talking about forecasts for returns to profitability in some regions that isn't um, a concept that exists for others so so yeah there, there are individual airlines Willie Walsh was keen to stress during the, the media day that there are clearly individual airlines that, that have some big challenges ahead but broadly those strong bookings and and the yields they're supporting are, are, are positive. And as you say, yeah, we, we expect winter slowdowns that they happen in, in normal times happen every year. But um, yeah, a lot of the messaging has been that you know, despite all the, the, the a lot of the doom and gloom in the general news cycle, um, forward bookings are, are pretty decent and are holding up. You know, even during what you would expect to be kind of a slow season. And I think it is worth noting that, isn't it? That it was. Arthur is talking about a return to profit, just under about five billion is is for the forecast. You know, firstly, that is, you know, off the back of something like 180 million, million, 180 billion dollars worth of, of losses the airlines will have racked up in over the last three years of the pandemic. And that five billion isn't anywhere near the levels that the industry was getting in its kind of pre-crisis heyday, for the most profitable decade of the of the industry's history. So there's a lot of work there to be done. And I guess in that context, that is why costs remain so, so key for airlines. We talked about fuel, we, we know labour's another one. And of course, 
a degree of costs are out of uh, airlines control. Probably all, all the more reason why they focus on costs that they can try and influence or at least make some noise and lobby against, and that's airport charges. Yes, airport charges is, is yeah, it's a big one. And um, uh, Willie Walsh didn't need an excuse during the, the Global Media Day to um, to hone in on uh, Heathrow Airport in that regard. Um, I think anyone that's been to an event where he's been speaking um, any time since he's been IATA DG, to be honest, um, will have, we'll have heard him mention Heathrow and not, not normally in the, the kindest terms. So, yes, if there's uh, one thing that... Uh, the Walsh was keen to get off his chest again at the uh, the media day. It was airport charges and and Heathrow, and that came up as well when we um, we heard from him uh, a few weeks ago at the uh, Airlines 2022 event in London. Yes, the uh, Airlines 2022 event, which is a an event that uh, Flight Global co uh, organises with IATA and uh, Bar UK and Airlines UK, and is really focused on the the challenges facing the UK airline industry in particular. And the debate there goes far far wider than Heathrow itself, but because it's so timely and topical, obviously UKCA finalising uh, airport charges at Heathrow for the coming four or five years, and you know this gets to the heart of a a challenge. You know, there's not you're never going to get agreement, and it's quite interesting hearing Virgin Atlantic again. Shay Vice was was talking about. Is precursor to anything about it. He said, "Oh, we get on really well with Heathrow and John. We, you know, agree on lots of things, but there's just one thing we're not <laughs> we're not going to agree on, and we're going to disagree on quite dramatically, which is, you know, Heathrow obviously says it needs higher charges to pay for the infrastructure that the airlines want, and the airlines say you need lower charges to be able to bring the traffic and." this is not the time for passengers to pay more. And that is essentially an argument the two are always going to be at opposite ends of the spectrum on. Yes, I mean, like you say, there's there's never going to be agreement. There's an argument from the, the airport side that the charging regime is almost the wrong way around, where it you know, charges tend to drop when things are looking good economically and finances are doing well. But actually, maybe that's the time we should be bringing more money in to invest. Of course, airlines would argue that um, you know the, the airport can't be there without them and that the charges should be kept as low as possible for the benefit of the traveling public as well so it's something where there's there's never going to be agreement i think you know heathrow is kind of represents maybe an extreme example its charges are very high in global terms anyway the, the rise it was looking for was significant and you know the the regulators kind of come in somewhere between it's not finalized as you say for the five-year period yet the row if you want to call it that erupted again recently because because the regulator is still working on that five-year charge it had to introduce an interim charge for 2023 which um i think just gave um, airlines in particular another excuse to to re-air their grievances regarding the the level of those charges so it's one where clearly IATA's and you know, one of their main roles is to advocate for the for the airlines and these kind of these kind of issues. Willie Walsh is close to it, obviously being a former IEG and BA CEO, he 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 would have dealt with Heathrow he plenty of times in his in those roles. So IATA go big on it, um, and eventually we'll we'll get that five year settlement and probably everything will calm down for a couple of years. But it is a it's an interesting development, as you say. You know Heathrow, an expensive place to operate from. Obviously, there have been threats from from BA and and, and other users that, that they might look elsewhere. Um, but you know, abandoning the, the the UK's biggest hub probably isn't um, anywhere near the top of, of of things they want to do. So it is tough to to read too much. I don't think too much should be read into to what they're saying on that. But you know, they're doing what they need to do as businesses, I guess, on both sides. 
the challenge, and I, I described it as a love-hate relationship that kind of airlines have with Heathrow on the one hand, and and you know, whilst there's plenty of noise about about it, it's also obviously a, a tremendous asset for operators, those who can get slots there and can operate out of it, because of the size of the hub, the the network connections, the attractiveness of markets, how established it is. And what's interesting, of course, is that Virgin Atlantic, which obviously before the pandemic had a had a base at Gatwick as well, and where it first began its operations. It's it's now solely operating at Heathrow, and partly because of that, I guess the evolution that has that has come for Virgin as it's grown closer to Delta Airlines, which is one of its shareholders. They obviously have the connectivity through their joint venture that's widened now. To they're also part of the uh, joint venture, which includes Air France and KLM, also uh, Delta's partners. And Virgin will be joining uh, SkyTeam, and again, that's a you know very interesting move for Virgin, which has been passionately in dependent for many years but it reflects the change in i suppose as virgin has kind of embraced that partnership world and of course as it as it's as it's done that the connectivity at heathrow becomes sort of more important for it that's exactly i think love is a good way of putting it because you, you as you say um on the one hand you you know there's almost a what are you going to do about it question, isn't there? Because, you know, clearly the regulator is there when it comes to charges to, to, to try and come to a fair outcome. You know, the, the airlines are lobbying. But as you say, if if you're virgin, you, you've come out of the pandemic, having kind of consolidated your operations into into that one airport, the, the, the leverage you have um, in that regard is obviously has a ceiling. You know, they reasonably point out the airlines that Heathrow has undershot in its traffic recovery projections a couple of times, which arguably would be in its favour for arguing for higher charges because it's kind of looking to recoup money from the uh, that it's lost during the crisis. But yeah, as you say, the Virgin is is kind of is all in at Heathrow really. So there's as much as anything, it's a it's a lobbying exercise to get the regulator to listen to them. What is also quite interesting is we've heard quite a lot from Virgin Atlantic in over the last two three months for the Sky Team membership. They also debuted their new Airbus A330 Neos, which joined the fleet in November. You know, Virgin's been through quite a lot in terms of the last few years and then pandemic in particular, you know, went through a, a sort of a major restructuring there. It has certainly over the over the past two, three months, you know, sort of returned to the front foot with the the new aircraft, with new routes, first first new destinations in the US for, for several years with both first Austin and then Tampa. So it is interesting to see Virgin moving forward and the, and the new aircraft very much part of that. And uh, after the break, we'll uh, look at some other airlines that are bringing in new aircraft, both in the near term and the uh, longer term. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not sign up for free to get the weekly airline business briefing delivered direct to your inbox every Thursday. You can register to get our weekly briefings together with any of Flight Global's other newsletters for free at flightglobal.com forward slash newsletter. Welcome back. And um, we were talking about aircraft and fleets before the break. And what we've seen are, uh, in the last couple of days is more signs of um airlines bringing back an aircraft that perhaps we thought had uh, had the last of its days the airbus a380 yeah there's been a there was see points in the, the the height of the pandemic where you know it felt like 
the A380, let's be honest, it's um, it's not a, a massive proportion of the global fleet, even if you just look at, at wide bodies. But it but it is significant, and um, and you know, as I was saying, there, there was a point during the pandemic where it felt like this would probably emerge with a lot of them gone. But increasingly, even some of the airlines that were most kind of vocal in you know saying the chances of of, of them coming back into service were remote are um, are actually bringing them back, and I think that partly reflects some of the stuff we've we've talked a lot about in terms of the capacity constraints and the the very strong pent-up demand for travel. Um, so, you know, Etihad is the, the latest airline to say that it will bring, I think, four of them back into service on its on its London routes. Interesting context of that is that, and I'm not sure how relevant this is to that development, but obviously Tony Douglas, the, the CEO who was instrumental in their turnaround programme, left recently, and then former TAP chief Antonado Neves is, is now CEO there. So, you know, it's happened within that context. But you know, there are other airlines as well um, who are also making those moves during this kind of period where everyone is, is pretty desperate for capacity. Yeah, so I think the Etihad, the change in thinking there is quite interesting because the UAE probably had the two kind of most extreme positions on the A380 where Emirates and Tim Clark, who was absolutely committed and passionate to mm. continuing A380 operations, bring them back as early as possible. Yeah, Etihad took a very sort of cautious line and I couldn't see any circumstances by which they'd come back. And then there's been a you know a gradual cooling in that position, tiny hints of well, maybe there might be some circumstances, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's probably unlikely. And and the position has gradually got to the got to the point where they are bringing them back. And actually that that was also true of, of Lufthansa as well, which seemed, you know, quite unlikely uh, to bring their A380s back. And again, Carson Spore started hinting that. Oh, well, it's, you know that might be a, might be a solution, I guess. And and in fact, it's just reactivated the first of those, though, which has returned to Frankfurt, and it's one of three, I think, that they're looking to bring back into service next summer. Yeah, Spore said during during the uh, third quarter earnings briefing that they're probably going to bring more than more than that back as well. But you know, there really is a never say never lesson here, isn't there? Because you also look at going back to the Middle East, Qatar Airways, who again uh, the chief executive Bakbar Al Bakr um, was pretty down on the A380. Another example, you know, during the pandemic, again, you're know, almost implying, you know, highly unlikely these are going to come back. And then obviously there are some specific reasons there around the A350 grounding that Qatar had had to bring some capacity in, but so there are lots of examples globally and looking into Asia, we've got uh, Thai Airways who uh, hinted recently that they are considering bringing them back, um, at least some of them, I think they had six. Clearly, the, 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 one of the big decisions here is around the, the cost of operating these these huge aircraft and yeah, they're four-engined, um, which isn't obviously the trend in the industry now. But as much as it looked like they were a bit doomed a couple of years ago, they're, they're kind of finding a role now in this capacity-constrained environment. And indeed, I mean, you, you mentioned Emirates. They're obviously kind of half the world's fleet of A380s. Tim Clark has, has talked about how there isn't really a replacement for them either. So you get aircraft of that size able to carry 500 plus people. Emirates is, is throwing several of them into you know Heathrow, for example, the big hubs daily. Um, and you know when those aircraft go at the moment, there isn't um, there isn't an aircraft that can naturally replace it with that level of capacity. So you know it's um, you know the A380 as a program, you know, never really achieved what some um, I guess Airbus was hoping for. But but it, as I say, it is finding a role now as we enter in this kind of strange uh, period in the in the COVID nineteen recovery. It's having an Indian summer. That'll be in a headline or an opening paragraph before we know it. <laughs> well, it would help if Air India had some. You never know, of course. 
Um, on that topic, of course, there's a, there's big talk of Air India placing a big order for aircraft soon. Although, yeah, I, I wouldn't put money on that, including uh, a few second-hand A380s. <laughs> Yeah, that gets to the point. We are seeing quite a lot of activity. You, I mean, we have seen aircraft orders throughout the year. And I guess this is this slightly difficult narrative to <laughs> to understand where, you know, on the one hand, you're getting old aircraft or aircraft, which airlines are perhaps looking to remove from the fleet coming back, all at the same time as you've got a string of new aircraft orders. And we had a major order from United Airlines for uh, 787s and 737 MAX, which is just announced earlier this week. But I guess these aircraft are, you know, the orders you are seeing are about longer term planning, aren't they? They are, yeah. There's, there's definitely two separate things here. Yeah, so we're talking about going back to Lufthansa again. Of course, they they've even brought some of the, the A340s back into service, which again looked um, very much doomed during the um, when the, the pandemic began. But yeah, the, the, there's that side of things where there is this kind of more medium term need for um, what in a lot of cases is replacement rather than you know for growth. So in the case of United, of course, yeah, they're looking at replacing their old 767s, 777s. So yeah, a lot. I think the firm orders. Are about that kind of commitment to seeing you know ahead towards the end of the decade as these these uh, older wide bodies start to um to near the end of their service lives so so yeah there is that dynamic playing out so you're getting these 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 big orders and obviously in the case of united a absolutely huge wide body order there for the 787 they they've got a few a350s on order of course but i think they're they're kind of earmarking them for later in the decade i think whereas some of the 787s are going to be coming in way before that so yeah it's it's kind of um you know different side of the the equation really and obviously Air India as I as I touched on there's you know stories around suggesting they're on the verge of ordering hundreds of aircraft again they'll be looking at fleet replacement and obviously I think there'll be an element of growth within that huge Indian market that we always talk about having a lot of potential. I think both those orders are they are interesting for we say orders the Air India order hasn't been placed yet but both those are they're, they're sort of also statements of intent you know united has been all about statements of intent or almost across everything it's done over over the last couple of years or so here its approach around the environment its approach around product and now now aircraft you know it, it wants to uh you know after probably a decade in which it sort of lost lost a bit of ground certainly in terms of being the more conservative of the of the u.s majors and with air india of course you know this is around the latest attempt to and so the latest but really this is looks to be air india's best chance in generations to grab the indian market and and restore some kind of presence there which has been fallen for some time hasn't it yeah, as you say, it's a really big deal along with the Tata Group. It's Singapore Airlines now, of course, is a, a significant investor in that. So there's clearly a show of confidence in in what's going on there. And that opportunity, obviously, as you're saying, it, it comes partly from yeah, just the fundamental fact that that Indian market is one with huge potential. But there's also a lot of upheaval in that market at the moment. Clearly, Indigo is the low-cost carrier has become the biggest operator there. And obviously, on short haul, with a fairly dominant position on, on that side of the equation, where um, on long Obviously now Vistara is yeah, the joint venture, what, what was a joint venture with Singapore Airlines and, and Air India, um, sorry, Tata Group is now being um, merged into Air India. So again, I mean, we talked a lot, I think, in the past about, you know, is this the moment where someone really makes a success of that market? Because, you know, the potential is, is massive and, you know, if they get it right and there's 
reasons to think you know they've got a sensible owner now and and um, as i say uh, backing of probably if you look at real success stories in asia pacific you clearly would look at some um, singapore airlines as as one of the top stories there so yeah there's there's reasons to think that you know a sensible setup for air india and and certainly something to keep an eye on and that huge aircraft order again is that it's all part of that statement of intent intent sorry um and the competitive environment there of course is interesting in the sense that um while um, there's a degree of consolidation happening around the tata groups um yeah ownership now of, of air india of course at the same time there are startups or i don't know what you what would you call jet i don't know at this point but restartup restartups restartup yes i think the it's never it's never simple in the indian market there's no question about that that's definitely going to be one of the stories to watch next year and we'll be back before the end of the year with our thoughts on what will be the big themes for next year now i've said that we definitely have to do that but that's i'm going to say that's not in the diaries (laughs) (laughs) that's all we have time for this week thank you lewis Cheers, Graham. As a reminder, you can find links to all the stories we've referenced in the podcast notes, and you can keep up to date with all the latest stories, including more details of the massive United order at uh, flightglobal.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you again next time.